0: But well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to week three of our series entitled Joshua, Possess Your Tomorrows. Come on, can we just welcome all those live joining us? Every week we've got a whole new crew on Facebook Live as well, uh, online campus. It is a joy to be with you guys. We are in a five-week series, not a long series. Every year right after Labor Day, I teach through a book of the Bible Uh, again, I do at least two if not three books of the Bible a year. I want to do Joshua uh, this year. Matter of fact, I did a similar type series. I went back 12 years ago. 12 years ago, I'll mention Joshua, different scriptures, but teaching through the book. Again, what is Joshua about? The children of Israel were in Egyptian bondage 400 years. They were under what the Bible calls Pharaoh's, Tasmat. He was, they were whipping them, they were beating down the Hebrew people. God raises up a deliverer. God hears the cry of his people and he raises up a deliverer. And the deliverer's name is Moses. Moses begins to go into Pharaoh's court and challenging Pharaoh on behalf of God and God's people to let God's people go. Ten plagues later, finally, Pharaoh relinquishes, he lets them go. They first of all come up to what's called the Red Sea. Then they go into the wilderness. Only supposed to be an 11-day journey took 40 years. 40 years. Some theologians say there was 300,000 people. The highest I've seen is 2 million. So about a million people, a million people left Egypt going, quote, towards the promised land. They come, if I can put my map up, they come right up to the Jordan River Uh, on the east side of the promised land. Again, the promised land being here, modern-day Israel. It included a little bit more than that. But they came through here. Egypt is over here. They come through the wilderness. Moses is leading them right here. And then all of a sudden, a baton is handed up, given to Joshua. And here they are on the right side of the Jordan River. Week one, we talked about what are some giants, some enemies that we have to face Prior to going into, and as we go into our promised land, I talked about intimidation. I talked about there's often a challenge where where, where we focus more on the problems than God's promises. We focus more on the challenges than God's covenant. We see the promised land. What is the promised land? It's a picture of, quote, our purpose. It's a picture of us becoming what God called us to be, doing what God called us to do. It's a picture of the overcoming life that Christ died on the cross to give us. It's our inheritance as a child of God. And, by the way, there are are giants in the land. Our promised land is not heaven. I know some of you, and I say this respectfully, maybe you grew up in church singing about the promised land, the sweet by and by. But let me tell you, heaven is not the promised land. How do I know that? There's no cancer in heaven. There's no lust and strife in heaven. Are you with me? There's no bitterness, racism, and unforgiveness in heaven. All of those things that that, that humans deal with in the here and now. And we as believers, we come into our promised land. We begin to inherit what God has for us. And we've got to struggle with things like unforgiveness and hurts and rejection. So intimidation. Everybody say intimidation. The enemy wants to get you and I to back off from pursuing what God has for our life. Number two. Last week, we looked at a second thing that comes, and that is, if you pull that map back up, the children of Israel were led by a leader for 40 years. And right as they come up into this moment, this is where really modern-day Jordan, it's Moab in the Bible. The Bible says that their fearless leader, Moses, dies. Now, I want you think about this for a moment. You may think, well, ah, that's not a big deal, unless he's been your pastor for 40 years. And all of a sudden, Joshua... Joshua gets the baton right here. Moses goes up on Mount Nebo. He looks over the promised land, and God says, you're not going to lead them in. You've led them too, but you're not bringing them in. And the baton is handed to Joshua, and now Joshua has the task of leading the children into the promised land. Interestingly enough, this whole concept of disappointment. I talked about it last week. I said that one of the things about disappointment, I mean, you had everything going. The relationship looked great. Everything was happening. You're moving towards marriage, and then there's a shift. Something happens, and you get disappointed. Here's what I said last week. Disappointment can either be our tombstone or a stepping stone into a brighter tomorrow. What do you do with disappointment? The business didn't work out. The relationship didn't work out. Getting into the college that you wanted didn't work out. What do you do? How do, you respond? How do we respond when we experience disappointment? The children of Israel responded in faith, following Joshua as they went into the promise. Said, All right, today, I want to do something. We, again, we touched on Joshua chapter one for the last two weeks. I'm going to take 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and deal with Joshua chapter two, and then I'm going to spend the majority of our time in Joshua chapter three. What happened in Joshua chapter two? Pull the map up, here we go. Uh, they're right here, there's a million people. They're at camp. And God tells, he goes, I need two volunteers. Two people raise their hand, they said, all right, we'll volunteer. I want you guys to go in, the very first city we're gonna take is Jericho. I want you guys to go check it out, see what's gonna happen over there, look at it, evaluate it, come back, give us some insight. So two guys go across the Jordan River, they go into what's called Jericho, and they check everything out, and they're like, whoa this place is amazing, but there are fortified walls. And then, quote, people hear that these two Hebrews have come, and they hide. As a matter of fact, this is interesting. Guess where the two Hebrews hide? They hide at a harlot's house. Does anybody know what her name is? Say it out loud. Rahab. Rahab hides these two Hebrews in her house. They come to kill him. Why did they come to kill him? Because all of these giants, all of these people over here, all of these inhabitants of the promised land heard about God's people, that God was with them, that power was on them. Signs and wonders followed these people. They were intimidated by it. Finally, Rahab lets them down off of her roof, and they escape and they go back. We pick up now right after these two spies gave testimony to Joshua and the leaders in Joshua chapter 3. The children of Israel are right here, and they're about to cross over into the Jordan land, and we'll pick up Joshua chapter 3. There is a problem. There is a problem. Houston, we have a problem. The problem is, is that they were called by God, don't miss this, to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. How many know God doesn't wait till all your circumstances are right before you have to obey him? As a matter of fact, God waits until all the odds are against you so that when you do obey God and God's power is demonstrated, everybody looks and says, that was God. That was God. That was God. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. I mean, all the odds are against these people. And here's what God says. Then Joshua, verse 1, rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over, verse 2. And so it was after these days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, you, you guys remember, you, you guys saw the movie, right? They've got the Ten Commandments and the ark, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a lot of scriptural truth, not always, not totally, but there's some scriptural truth that there's an ark. And the ark was carried by priests. What was inside the ark? A whole bunch of things. Two of the things that were in there, or, or one was the Ten Commandments, all right? So the priests, the Levites in the Old Testament were called priests. They were bearing the ark. And then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Look at verse 4. Very important. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. Very important, very important. I want all the campuses to watch this. This part is very, 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 very important. What God asks us to do often is something we've never done before. Look what he says. For you have not passed this way, what? Before. In other words, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I'm going to ask you to go to a place, and I'm going to ask you to possess something. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to go somewhere. You've never been there before. That's a little scary. Look at verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. means to prepare your hearts. Set your hearts apart. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. As we come on the scene, we see the people of Israel caught in a situation they may have looked very similar because there's been two bodies of water that they've addressed. Two, number one, when they came out of Egypt, they came to a body of water called the what? Everybody say it out loud. One, two, three, the? The Red Sea. Do you remember? They came up to the Red Sea. And it was there that Pharaoh's army was pursuing behind them. And they came up to the Red Sea. Moses raised his hands and, and the Red Sea part. Now, I want you to understand something. That was a body of water that they faced. There's an additional body of water that's now they're being faced. And the additional body of water, it's not a sea, but it's a river. So now they're facing another body of water, an obstacle. But let me give you the analogy here. There is a major difference between the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Let me give you the difference. When they came to the Red Sea, they were escaping and exiting their path. When they come to the Jordan River, they are invading and entering their destiny. There's a difference. We don't escape into our destiny. We escape the world. Are you with me? We escape our old lifestyle. We escape our old habits. And I'll say this respectfully. Sometimes we escape some of those relationships that have been pulling us down. Truth of the matter is is that I had to make some relationship shifts. After I came to Christ, why? Because some of those old relationships were not healthy. They weren't adding and multiplying to my life, but they were subtracting and dividing from my life. So there's a major difference here. Listen, they were escaping from Egypt, but the second body of water they had across to confidently enter into their destiny. Do you know that when you enter into your destiny, you're not escaping, you're invading. You're invading what God has for you. The picture that God has for your future. The bright picture that he has for your relationships, for your career, for your family, whatever it is, there is something. Listen, God wants us to not walk where there's trepidation on the inside, where we're unsure, where we're insecure. We're not fleeing, we're invading. There's a confident posture. There's a posture where God is with us. Everybody say, God is with me. You, 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 listen, if you're going to become what God's called you to be and do what God's called you, you've got to learn to say that, God is with me. God is with me, God is for me, God is in me, God is on my side. That's what the children of Israel had to see. So the children of Israel, they come up to the promised land. Week one, we talked about the fact that intimidation was the emotion that we felt. Week number two, we talked about overcoming disappointment. Today, I want to talk about insecurity. Insecurity is when we're not sure. We just don't know. I mean, I want to believe it. I mean, I want to stand in faith. I, I, I want to move forward, but, but I'm not sure about it. Why? Because I'm insecure. The dream that's in my heart, I want to believe it's from God. I want to believe that, it's a, that, that God's got a good plan for my life. For I know the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29. I, I want to believe that. But the fact is, is that when I when I really evaluated, I, I I feel insecure. Here's what I found out: it's not a sin to feel insecure, but it's a sin to give in to insecurity because it keeps you back from doing what God's called you to do. It keeps you back. It keeps you backing off from becoming what God's called you to be. Insecure, how it threatens each one of us. I I'll never forget when I um I don't like to talk about this during hurricane season, but I do remember. Uh, after Hurricane Katrina, day three, listen to this. I've never said this publicly. Day three, I'll never forget I got a call from a major body of Christ leader. If I mention his name, probably 50, 60% of you guys would know. And here's what he said. He said, Steve, because, of course, he was getting reports of everything's going. Church of the King was six years old. This is 2005. We started in the fall of 1999. And he's getting reports. Here's what he said. He said, Steve, you're 36 years old. I think you just need to kind of help get everybody regrouped, whoever comes back. Listen, he goes, but the truth is you're young, your family's young, you need to pick up and you need to move to another city. Listen to what he said. He goes, because there's no guarantee that that won't ever happen again. You, I cannot tell you the fear that hit me on the inside. I thought, oh my gosh, he's right. But here's what I found out. I would rather be in the will of God, in a place of insecurity, listen, than in a place of security where I'm insecure on the inside. In other words, I'd rather my environment be insecure but be secure on the inside than the other. Because here's what I found out. My environment cannot bring me security. Are y'all listening or not? My environment, what brings me security is the presence of God, the promise of God, the plan of God, God's purpose. It's on the inside. It's not on the outside. That's what brings us security. The truth is each one of us deal with insecurities at times. We've got to know that we know that God's hands on our life and that God's called us to inherit his promised land for our lives. The significance of crossing the Jordan River for the people of Israel, number one, it was, it was opening the door of possibility for the conquest of the promised land. Number two, it was a verification of God's presence and power. At the end of this message, matter of fact, at the end of this series, I want you guys to have part of your common vernacular. Here's what you need to say. God is with me. Can everybody say that? One, two, three. God is You got to say that. God is with me. That's not arrogance. That's Assurance. Because you're not just the only one with you if you're a believer. well, oh, that's good. Yes, you're with you, but you're not the only one with you. As a believer, God is with you. And God is in you. And God is for you. And God is working in your life. And God is working around your life. God is with me. God is for me. The children of Israel had to know that they knew that. Why? Because when they walked into their promised land, there were giants. There was intimidation. There was disappointment. There's was all these things. And now there's insecurity. I'm going to ask everybody to take out their notes. I I want to give you guys four things that I think will help you. Four things, four lessons on entering into your tomorrow by faith. Four lessons of entering. How do we enter into our tomorrows by faith? Number one, first lesson. God wants us to step out of our ruts and our routines. I should have said this, and you can write this down in the notes as well, which I actually think would be better. God wants us to step out of our comfort zone. Comfortable. Our comfort zone. There's something about our comfort zone. Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way which you must go. Here it is. Here it is. Don't forget this. What was the challenge? Say what the challenge was. The challenge that they had is the same challenge that we face. It's that the Bible says that, that they've not passed this way before. God's put a big dream in your heart. God's put a big hope in your heart, a plan to do something, to become something, to achieve something, and yet on the inside, we 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 start we 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 start trepidating verb, we start equivocating, we're not sure what to do. Why? Because 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 well, I've never done that before never been there before I mean it's again they've never been there before two people had been there before 12 had been there before but not the whole crowd and now he's talking to the whole crowd he says you guys have not passed this way before God is asking you to do something God's asking you to step out and to to start that business or to to pop the question come on ladies you told me and emailed me and said to say that on a Sunday morning (laughs) that was the right spot I teed it up just like a volleyball come on you know what i mean." Oh, Pastor, I don't know, man. I don't know if I have the money. Let me give you a hint. I've been married 20 years. You'll never have the money. (laughs) Never. Okay. I actually had somebody tell me this one time about children. Pastor, I'm not sure if we're going to have children. I said, because this world's so wicked. I said, it's not getting any better, but but, 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 but you guys can make it brighter. In, in other words, we, 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 if we look at all the things around us, the fact is, is that often we get comfortable. We get comfortable in where we are. And, and, and sometimes the pain of changing is greater than the pain of staying. So we stay. What do we do? We stay in our dysfunction. We stay in our addiction. We stay in, the, we stay in that abusive situation. Why? Because the familiar Remember I gave you this a couple weeks ago. Don't miss this. The tyranny. Everybody say tyranny. tyranny. Of the familiar. What does that mean? To be tyrannical means that you're oppressed, Pastor. You can be oppressed by the familiar, yes, because you stay in that posture of familiarity where where it kind of lingers around you and you and, and that fear attached to stepping out. Why? Because it's well, at least it's comfort. At least I know that. I know it's an addiction, but at least it brings me solace for a couple hours. Are y'all with me? I mean, I, I, I mean, I know it's not the healthiest thing. I know it's not the best thing. But, 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 but after all, there's something about sometimes the pain of change is greater than the pain of staying the same. And so we stay the same. Why? Because we we, we fear change. We fear stepping out. And yet they're on. They're right on the the precipice. They're right on the the edge of stepping into a brighter tomorrow. But they. But but they're challenged with that. Not been there before. You're at a Christmas party and you tell your family that, that you, you, you're gonna go to college next year and they kind of mock you a little bit because nobody in the family's ever gone to college and, and, and yet you know that God's called you. To go. There's no, again, there's no, there, there's no, there's no, there's no, it's not somebody's better or worse, but God's telling you that it's God's plan for your life. God's saying it's your assignment for your life. God wants to open up opportunities for you. So you've gotta make a choice. Do you listen to all the other voices? Well, we've never done that. We don't do that in our family. Or do you say, you know what? Listen, I respect you, but God's called me to do this. God's called me to step into this. So, so sometimes it's, 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 it's negative things around, that, that the pain of changing, that you've got to start a new heritage, a new lineage, a, a new thing, that we can't go back, even if you're family. And I say this respectfully. We respect our past. We respect our family. But there's some things in our past that are not good for us. Are you with me? And we don't need to venerate that and, and, and make that into some sort of deified state, well, that my family's always done that. Well, that, but some of those things aren't right. The fact of the matter is that sometimes those things have been holding us back from becoming what we've created, what God's created us to be. The truth is, oh, well, you know what, after all, you know, my dad was an alcoholic, my grandpa's an alcoholic, you're gonna be an alcoholic. No, 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 We we have a blood covenant with Christ. We're starting a new genealogy, a new We're not going back to that. We're not, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. I listen, and I, and I, I understand that about alcohol. My, 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 my blood father from England was an alcoholic, and his father was an alcoholic. Was an alcoholic. I mean, they've been drunk for a 1,000 years in England, by the way. <laughs> that's not a value statement on alcohol. I will say this. You better be careful if that's in your gene, gen, because that will that, catch on fire and rip you. If I start drinking, I'm in Mexico doing weird things. That's not a value judgment, but I'm just telling you, if that's in your family, you, you're playing with fire if that's in your family. Are y'all with me? That's not going to be part of my future because I know what it, it costs my family. What does it cost you? What does it cost you? The fact of the matter is, is that we've got to let go of the things that are holding us back to move into what God has for us in the future. You've got to see that. So God says you you got to be willing to let go. But sometimes we just do things because they've been done to us, or sometimes we just do things because everybody's done it. It's like the story of the young couple that gets married, and this is not a an oversimplification of, of gender roles, but because I know a lot of guys cook, particularly in South Louisiana. But the lady was happening, she she happened to be cooking. She went into the kitchen. She had a roast. She cut the edges off the roast and put it in the pan. The husband inquiring, he says, why do, why do why do we do that? Why she goes because the pan's big enough. Is there some sort of reason? Well, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know why I do that. Why? I'm not sure. Well, actually, the only reason why, I, I, my mom did that. Well, let's call your mom and ask her. Okay, so he calls Says, He says, uh, well, do, do you know why, do you, do you know why that you, why your, your sweet daughter cuts the edge? I'm just curious. Why, why is it they cut the edge? Did, did, why did you do that? Did you not have a, uh, well, why? And she goes, why? I don't really know. I just, just, I've just kind of always done that. Well, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you why. Because my mom did that. So they called mom. <laughs> She's 91 years old. She wasn't in heaven yet. She called mom. Why, 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 did, why did you cut the edges off of the roast? And she said, well, that's real simple. She goes, we were in the Great Depression, and we didn't have enough money for a big pan. We had a small pan. The roast was too big. I had to cut the edges off the roast. How many times are we doing things just just because? Boy, that was good preaching, just because. Just because. I don't want to do something just because. Are y'all with me? I'm having fun up here. I don't know if y'all are enjoying it or not. Number two, God wants wants us to prepare ourselves. God wants us to prepare ourselves. What does that mean? Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Look what it says here. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Ooh, big theological term. It means prepare yourselves. Set yourselves apart. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. To consecrate, to sanctify means to prepare, to dedicate, be holy, be separate, to be set apart. That's what it means. There's something about God was, listen, God was calling them up to a higher level of living. God was calling them up to call them in. Do you know God often calls us... God always calls us up before he calls us in. That's how God does it. It's interesting. There's a scripture in Psalms where David, again, David was a great man of God. The Bible actually said he's a man after God's own heart. How how would you like to be called a man after God's own heart? Wouldn't that be cool? That's that's amazing. Man or woman after God's own heart. Man, that's a cool term. And yet part of the reason why is because David also understood the propensity of his heart. If you're a man or a woman after God's own heart, you also have to be aware of what is in your heart. And you have to have an understanding where there's an interfacing with the Spirit of God, where you're making sure that your heart is reflective of God's heart, which means you've got to make sure that there's nothing in your heart that's inconsistent with God's heart. That's why Psalms 139, that's why David said this. Here's what he said. He says, search me, O God, and know my what? Say it, heart. See, a person, a man or a woman after God's own heart, this is called sanctifying. In other words, we're setting ourselves apart. What are we doing? We're positioning our hearts. God's calling us up so he can call us in and we're allowing the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to search our what? Say it, our hearts. Try me and know my anxieties. Point, this is important. Is anxiety a sin? No, but if you don't deal with it, it can lead you to sin. That's important. Try me and know my what? Say it, anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way. So anxiety by itself is not a sin, but anxiety, if it's not dealt with, can lead you to sin. Fear can lead you to bad decisions, unhealthy decisions, consequential decisions injurious to your soul and your life. So I said, search my heart, God. I want to see if there's anything in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, God called Jennifer and I. We were asked to come across the lake. And to be part of starting a church, it was a small group of people that had, they were part of a church, the church disbanded, and I was a youth evangelist. That's what I was. And I was preaching to teenagers, and, and, and God called us across the lake. Well, anyway, long story made short, interestingly enough, right before, and actually right as the church was starting, there was two or three deep injuries that I received from some people. I mean, I got really hurt. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. I got really hurt. And 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 matter of fact, if I was up here and told you what happened, you go, you should have been hurt. I mean that. I mean you'd have been like, you know what the word commiserate means? Con is a Latin word with miserate, misery with misery, to commiserate with somebody. As we're all just kind of victims together. Are y'all with me? It's just kind of. You're right. They were an idiot. Well, I don't want you to do that. The point is, is this. The point is, is this. The Holy Spirit spoke to me one morning. Said Steve. I don't want you bringing, remember when God wants to bring you in, he first brings you up. A balloon goes up and it lets go of sandbags. Are you with me? How I many you know when we have junk in the trunk, we conk, go forward? <laughs> that was good. I made it up. <laughs> That's what freedom is all about, by the way. Those of you who have not been in freedom, how many have gone through freedom groups? Anybody in here? It's called get the junk out the trunk. That's what it is. The Holy Spirit, Steve, Steve, let go of those offenses. Because if not, you're going to get behind the pulpit and spew poison on people. Now, I know what immediately I'll say. Well, I'm not starting a church, but you're in a family. You go to work. You're in a classroom. See, the fact of the matter is is that if we don't get this stuff out, everybody say Sanctify. To be sanctified means to be set apart. If we're not setting our hearts apart, if we're not letting the Holy Spirit deal with our jealousy, our unhealthy competitive spirit, the unhealthy side, the the avarice, the greed, the pride, the lust, whatever. In other words, God brings us up before God brings us in. You got to see that. The great and renowned theologian Tyler Perry once said, (laughs) he's he's a great Christian, by the way, Here's what he said. The most important thing I've learned growing up is that forgiveness is something that when you do it, you free yourself to move on. How many people died right there because they didn't ask the Holy Spirit? Search me, oh God, and say. Number three, the third thing that God wants to do, it's a lesson before we enter into a brighter tomorrow is that God wants to demonstrate his power for us. Let me just say this. This is not about our willpower. It's not about our human ingenuity. It's not about our cleverness. It's not about our skill set. It's not about how smart, slick, connected we are. This is about a great God moving through infallible people to do great things. And we've got to understand that God wants to design it in such a way, and he has designed this in such a way, that he wants to demonstrate his power for us, through us, around us, Joshua chapter three, verse five, Joshua said, sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. He'll do wonders, miracles. Christianity is a supernatural religion. It's it's not just mind over matter. There's a supernatural God. We have a supernatural Holy Spirit on the inside of us. This is a supernatural book infused with the Spirit of God, and God wants to do miracles. Do, Do you know, do you know that in the Bible... There's a there's a concept called si- Everybody say signs, signs and wonders. Think about that. I want you to think about this for a moment. What does that mean? A sign is you see a token of God's miracle power. It's a sign that God's alive. And then you step back and you do what? You wonder about it. Whoa. You're captured by it. Hey, do you know when a kid, I want you to think about this for a moment. Do you know as a kid, you get a little baby, you know, and they're just... I don't know, two, two years old, and it's so easy to, to, to provoke wonder in them. Isn't that right? Think about it. You know, you're behind a, a chair and you go, ah! And they're like, ah! Do that to your teenager. You're weird. What has been tainted? Their sense of awe and wonder. Do you know the same thing happens when we're Christians? We're so fired up about miracles. We're like, oh, God, if you love me, you've been saved a month. If you love me, when I go to New Orleans, Lord, right in front of that tall building, if you give me a parking spot, I will declare Jesus is Lord. <laughs> you go there. There's no parking spot. You circle three or four times, and there's a parking spot. And you start honking. You're like, God has provided. The Red Sea is parted. then we start walking with Jesus for a little while and we quit believing for anything. We're like, oh yeah. Now Christianity is just about being forgiven. Just kind of doing your best, just kind of just making it. What about the supernatural? What about God doing wonders and miracles? What about God breaking addictions? What about saving prodigals? What about supernatural miracle healings that take place that your loved ones need to hear about? And, and, and the people, are you with me? Why is it that we don't stay at, ah, level, but we're like, you're weird. Why why is it that we get callous to the supernatural so quickly? Let me tell you what God wants to do. God wants to do such crazy, wild, unexplainable, undeniable, very clear, affirming miracles through your life, around your life, so that when lost people see it, they go, that's got to be God. You're not that good. You're not that good. Joshua 3.10, Joshua said, by this you know the living God is among you. That he'll drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, all those ites. I'm going to drive them all out. God wants to do signs and wonders and miracles through our lives. Let's never lose that. Church, listen to me. Every campus, never lose that sense of wonder. That God is a miracle-working God. God wants to do miracles in my life, through my life, around my life. Do, do you know, I, I just, I, I got so much to say. And th- th- let me just give you one. And I've, I've said this one. This is because we're going into a season in our church. We're, we're expanding. We're doing things at the Little Creek campus. We're doing things at the Gulf Coast campus. We're getting ready. Again, our South Shore campus in Kenner, we have purchased, or we got a purchase agreement on the building. We're starting renovations in six weeks in our, our St. Charles camp. And, and, and we need miracles. Do you know, I, one of the greatest stories in, in the church is, I never forget a number of years ago, Church was two years old, so this would have been 17 years ago. We were buying this first building, uh, a skating rink right here on the, at the Little Creek campus, and we needed a certain amount of money. We raised a certain amount of money, and we needed a certain amount of money. And so we, I just, I, I, we tried everything. How many of you know it's a good place to be in when you've tried everything and you actually then need God? Let me preach to the other crowd that's a little bit better. How many of you know it's a good place when all you've got is God? Are y'all with me? You ought to get excited. You already demonstrated you don't care about the saints because they're playing right now. But anyway, so, and I love the saints, but here's the point. We need God. We start, I I called a fast I said, we're going to pray and fast. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust Jesus. We had a piece of property that was given to us. It was worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. And it hadn't sold. As a matter of fact, before the church started, it was given to the previous church, and it, was, and it hadn't sold, and you know, nothing was moving. And some of the people that were part of the original church, you remember this. So I said, we're going to pray and fast. I didn't know what I was doing. I've never done that before. I said, we're going to do three-day fast. We're going to believe God's going to, because we need that money. May God be my witness. On the third day, a guy calls a real estate agent. Remember, we need God. Remember, this is a good place to be in. By the way, If you're unwilling to get in a place when you actually need a miracle, you won't see a lot of miracles. Third day, we get a call. I mean, it's like the 11th hour. It's like 11.52. And the real estate agent calls and says, you're not going to believe this. I said, tell him. it." she goes, we got a call today. A guy's interested. He wants to come see the property today. He goes and sees the, matter of fact, the day before we fasted and we walked on the property and said, Lord, we need this thing solved. God, we're crying out. That's a good place to be in. That's a great place to be in. When you need a miracle and you're trusting God. By the way, they needed a miracle. You want to know why? Because the Jordan River was at flood stage. They couldn't just blow it apart. They couldn't take a little boat, a million people, and the fact of the matter is, and I'm going to show you this last thing in a second, the third day they call, this guy calls, he says, I want to buy the property. Within 30 days, we close on the property. I say this very respectfully, seven days after we sell the property, the guy puts it back up for sale. He says, I didn't even want that. I have no idea why I even bought it. <laughs> that is a true story. May God be my witness. Now, God bless him. I hope he prospers and does well. Everybody say Miracles. I want to make sure that my life gets in a place consistently where I need God's miracle power. Are y'all with me? Let me give you this fourth and final thing. Y'all want one more point quick? All right, here we go. One more. Fourth and final one. God wants us to respond to him by stepping out. Look what it says here. Joshua chapter 3, 14. I'm just teaching through this. So it was when the people set out from their camp, the cross of the Jordan, with the priest here, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord, And as those, here it is, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, For the Jordan overflows its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in a heap far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeraton. Notice this. Notice this. Again, northern Israel. Pull my map up real quick. Northern Israel. This is mountainous. This is mountainous region. Lebanon, this is mountains, like they have snow up there, yes. And what happens is, is it comes and it melts, and it comes down, interestingly, where it coincides during a harvest time, and that is the highest part of the river. The Jordan River, which I've been to, can, can sw- swell where it's, where, it's, where it's so large, you can, it's impassable. You can't cross it during that time. Isn't it interesting that God asked them to cross it right then, which required them to believe? Now, watch this. Watch this. The Bible says, as the priests step their feet into the water. You know what we want? Here's what we want to do, myself included. God, part the water and I'll step out. Make sure that I get into the university, then I'll apply. Make sure that my spouse will never have issues, then I'll say, will you marry me? Make sure that my teenager will obey immediately under all circumstances. Then I will have children. <laughs> make sure I never, ever, 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 ever have any market shifts where I've got to make, are you with me? It doesn't work that way. God told the man with a withered hand, as he stretched out his hand, it was made whole. God told the lepers, the ten lepers, as they went, they were healed. As you step out, the Bible says 18 miles up. Why did, it, why did God have to stop the thing 18 miles up? Why, why? When you have a million people, it takes a lot of room to walk across a river. Just think about that. He couldn't just psh, one mile. It's a, so a million people walked across that thing. Let me tell you something. God wants you and I to walk into our destiny. God has an incredible plan. Let me finish with this scripture. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand. What's the challenge, Pastor? We're all going to read this together. We're going to all read this. And then I'm going to close and pray for you guys. Did y'all learn anything so far? Yeah? Here it is. Here it is. Here's the challenge. Everybody look at me at all the campuses. Here's the challenge. The challenge is right here. Everybody say head. Head. And say heart. In order to step into what God has for you, here's what you're going to have to trust. Here's what you're going to have to trust. Your heart. What the Holy Spirit is saying to you. The word of God. The promise of God. Against everything else. Sometimes in the natural. Flood stage. Things against you. Here's the problem. Some of you, and I say this respectfully, you're brilliant. You're just brilliant people which is a gift, but a curse. Let me tell you the gift. The gift is, you're amazing. Here's the curse. You can rely upon that. Some of you understand strategic planning, scenario planning. You're the people that made A's in quantitative business analysis. We didn't like you. I'm not that smart. My mom said I had a good personality. Seriously. She goes, you're funny. Some of you are geniuses. And because of that, your tendency is you lean upon your genius. But the Spirit of God transcends that. So we're gonna read this out loud. I'm talking about how do you enter into your tomorrow? With confidence and faith. How do you do it? Here it is. At the counter three, we'll read to the first comma. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart. Remember, heart and head. Number two. One, two, three. And lean not on your own understanding. Head. I'm not transformed by the removal of my mind, but the renewal. What does it mean to renew my mind? I submit my mind to the word. I submit my mind to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to the unction of God, to God's promise on the inside. Are you with me? To the word of God, to godly counsel. We'll begin again. One, two, three. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. it has got a bright future for you. You fill in the blank in all those areas. We've got to trust the Lord. We trust the Lord. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus follower of Christ. We're here to minister the life and the love of God, any of you with any needs that you have. But let me pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people. Lord, you've got an amazing purpose for us, an amazing destiny, an inheritance, the joy of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the peace of the Lord. Lord, help us to trust. We're not escaping, but we're invading. We're entering into a bright tomorrow. God, I bless your people. A favor is upon you. I declare favor is upon your life. The goodness of God is upon your life. The greatness of God is upon God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny is before you. Walk in it. Step into it. Don't shrink back. That's what God has for your life. I bless your people. Say, go forth this day. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said... Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we do that? We love you guys. Have a great weekend. God bless you.